Hi, we're Donnie and Chelsea. We're best friends, mortal enemies, and the hosts of I Am The Cute One. On our show, we'll chat movies, gossip about pop culture and current events, but mostly we'll overshare, trauma dump, and embarrass ourselves publicly. After all, we're millennials, so we've been living and laughing and loving through unprecedented events every few years our entire lives. So if talking is your love language, subscribe to I Am The Cute One. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's the first of its kind, a community of 110 homes for the foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. So together, families can help one another. A special place where families know that their neighbors understand and care. Make the Do Good Village the first of many. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Welp, that's a wrap on the low-key series on Disney+. We say goodbye to Hunter B-15, a.k.a. Ruby from Lovecraft Country. We say goodbye to Judge Ravana Renslayer. Goodbye, Mobius M. Mobius. Goodbye, Sylvie. Goodbye, Alligator Loki, Classic Loki, Kid Loki, Boastful Loki, a.k.a. Black Loki. And we say goodbye a regular ass Loki, the titular character. But don't you worry, because Disney is definitely capitalizing and they're giving you a season two. But most importantly, we met our first variant of Jonathan Rogers character, Kang the Conqueror, and I couldn't be happier. It's your bonus episode of me and you, the Housewives in Marvel 2. Let's get into it. Hey guys, this is the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture and your mama's favorite black geek. I'm Kendrick, host of the Me and You, The Housewives and Marvel 2 podcast, a podcast that, through my own random and winding rants, discusses everything related to pop culture. Everything from reality TV, to the MCU, to the DCEU, to all of the hot topics being discussed on CNN, NBC, BET, ABC, and 123. Grab your wine glass, sit back, and get ready to cuss and fuss right along with me. Woo! The day has finally arrived, and we now have 
answers. Now, do we have answers to everything? Hell no. But we got enough answers, okay? We got enough answers to kind of hold us over until we get our next, should I say, branch timeline of this story? I don't know. Until we get to, what, maybe Spider-Man No Way Home? The Eternals? I don't know. I don't know when we'll see, you know, these characters necessarily again, but I'm guessing Spider-Man will be the first time. And I'm super excited about it now. You know, I've been on a journey with this show. Low-key, I loved the premiere. Episode 2 was good. You know, it, it, it went down just a tad for me. It started getting a little bit convoluted. Episode 3, child. You know how I feel about episode three. If you've been listening to these episodes, you know. But I will say the second half of this series completely redeemed itself. Episodes four, five, and six, I have loved. This finale, amazing. Jonathan Majors, a fan. I cannot get enough Jonathan Majors. If you've ever listened to this podcast before, then you know that Lovecraft Country is my shit. It's right there just below Watchmen. You know, I will watch Watchmen whenever. If if the wind blows too damn hard, I'm going to watch Watchmen. If I receive, you know, if I see Regina King on a red carpet, I'm watching Watchmen. If I uh, randomly see, uh, uh, child, I don't damn know. I'm watching Watchmen, okay? If I get thirsty, damn it, I'm watching Watchmen. I'm always going to watch Watchmen. Watchmen is my shit. I love the comics. I love the movie. I love the TV series. I love Watchmen. Lovecraft Country is right under that. That is a hell of a ride, and it's a ride I'm always ready to take. It gave us Ruby. I love me some Ruby. I love me some Hunter B-15. It gave us Jonathan Majors. We had Journey Smollett with her lying-ass brother. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it It gave us what it needed to give. It had my my good sis, Anjanue Ellis, in it. I love me some Anjanue Ellis. She should have won an Emmy for uh, her role as the mother in the Clark Sisters movie. That's neither here nor there. If you're listening to this, I don't even know if you know what the hell the Clark Sister movie is, but... Go watch it. It's good as hell. With that being said, I'm actually gonna, I don't want to, you know, drag this out because, whew, I got a lot of talking points, I feel. This won't be the longest episode, but I got, I feel like I'm going to go off on a couple tangents. So, you know, bear with me. You know, I, I, I tend to tangent a lot. Before I get into my first tangent, though, I'm going to throw it over to Noor. You know Noor's voice before. You listen to the Reality Is podcast. You've heard her voice on this podcast before. One of my favorites. She's going to go ahead and tell you her thoughts on the series, the episode, the characters, everything we want to know. And you know we love Noor's opinion around here. Talk to him, Noor. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. To talk about Loki, this is Noor from the Reality Is podcast. So my favorite thing about this Loki finale and just the show in general has been sort of the trend that I've been seeing across all of the different, um, you know, Disney plus Marvel shows. So obviously WandaVision focused a lot about grief Um, Falcon Winter Soldier focused on social justice issues and what I love about this is sort of this uh, about Loki was sort of this idea that imagine meeting every single version of yourself meeting every single version of yourself and finding out what happens to that person that version of you and once you see all of the different versions of who you are you realize what you're capable of so for Loki what I love is that you know he's this like 
traditionally tragic and villainous character who gets to meet all of the different variations of himself. And once he sees all of the people he could have been if his life had turned out differently, he ultimately decides that he knows who he really wants to be. And I love in this finale where he looks at Sylvie and he's just like, I just want you to be okay. I know how this goes. I've been where you are. I know that you don't trust anyone, but I just want you to be okay. Because it's the first time we're kind of seeing Loki not care only about Loki, which is ironic because technically Sylvie is a Loki. But, you know, he ultimately cares more about more than just his own glorious purpose. And I just love that. I love that kind of a story arc. I love that kind of narrative about a human being, about all human beings, that if we only knew what we were all capable of. Um, we see some of that in um, the fifth episode when Loki is uh, trying to take down Eliath. The Lokis are trying to take down Eliath and um, classic Loki is building these like great uh, illusions. And they're like, how did he do that? And Loki says, or I think Sylvie says, I don't think we realize what we're capable of, or we don't realize how strong we are. And uh, when she goes to enchant Elias, he goes, I don't know how to do that. And she goes, yes, you do, because you and I are the same. Um, I love that in episode five. And just as much as I love that, I it actually like hurt my heart, but was so beautifully tragic where she says, but I'm not you and pushes him away. Oh God, what a show. Also, like, I don't know, man, you put two attractive British people together and just have them have conversations. I mean, rar, big time rar, so foxy. Um, but I just love it. I love what's it's what's set up now. I love the multiverse. I guess this is all going to be tying into the Doctor Strange stuff or the Spider-Man stuff and um, even WandaVision, I guess, a little bit when that comes back. I mean, Ugh, I love this kind of trippy, crazy stuff. And I love that it's part of our own imaginations, right? It's always also kind of like human psychology. We often wonder like, oh, what could have been if I had done X, Y, and Z differently in my life? Or what my life would have been like if I was a little bit different here or had access to that or whatever. It's like, it's just fascinating. And I absolutely loved, loved Loki. Also, if you want to still you know, feel the magic of Loki, you can obviously rewatch the episodes. But I've been listening to the Loki soundtrack on Apple Music. I'm sure it's available on Spotify. It is 10 out of 10. Um, okay, yeah, I can't wait to hear your episode on Loki. Uh, insert video of Andy Cohen saying, okay, yeah, thanks, Kendrick. <laughs> MJ clapping. <laughs> For those that don't know what she's talking about, I was on uh, Andy Cohen's Watch What Happens Live recently. And, you know, I've done their virtual audience a few times, but now that they're back to like the regular studio audience, they let people call in with questions, but they're like video calls. I got to ask Karen Huger from the Real Housewives of Potomac a question on the after show. And after I got done, you know, the grand dumb, Andy Cohen jumped in. He's like, okay, thanks, Kendrick. And so I used that clip after I'm done, like, with every single rant that I go on on Instagram. So if you don't follow me on Instagram yet, make sure you do that. I always link out to it in the uh, episode bio, the episode description. Make sure you click on it. Make sure you're following me. Make sure you get the memes. Make sure you get everything. Just come on over. We have a good time. Now, let's get into this this dense, amazing-ass finale of Loki that ended up being a lot better than I thought it would be. I didn't think it was going to be bad by any means. I just honestly 
I'm fucking shocked. I had no idea they were going to actually show Kang the Conqueror. Like, of course, we all theorize it. I've been theorizing it for God knows how long now. You've heard me. You've all been theorizing it. Everybody with eyes that has read a comic or knows the comics has been theorizing it. But Marvel, they've been so, like, iffy about actually delivering on these big bads that I had, I, I assumed that if we did get it, it would be like this. It would be a variation of the big bad that we're going to get. And I definitely think that this was a, a Kang the Conqueror variant. What the fuck am I talking about? Don't worry. I'm going to get into the finale right now. The intro to this episode, first of all, everything, everything that we needed, it wasn't the standard Marvel intro music that we're used to. It wasn't a catchy 80s rock song. It was a compilation of MCU sound bites and like sound bites of people from our day-to-day existence, like our lives, like the people listening to this podcast, the person making this podcast. And the background music is the song that Steve and Peggy, of course, have their dance to at the end of Avengers Endgame. And it's the song that they play in, you know, Winter Soldier, but that's neither here nor there, my favorite MCU movie. Now, did I take the time to write down a lot of these sound bites that we heard? Yes, of course I fucking did. You hear Sam from Civil War yelling, way to go, Tic Tac, talking about when Ant-Man Scott Lang got big. Hope from Ant-Man, now that's how you punch. T'Challa, R.I.P. Chadwick Bozeman, Wakanda forever! Scott Lang saying, you haven't heard of me. Black Widow, let me put you on hold. Of course, the first Avengers movie. Dance off, bro. Peter Quill, Guardians of the Galaxy. Thor, a friend from work. That's Ragnarok, of course, when he sees Hulk in the middle of the Gladiator Arena. Um, The original Captain America to grown-ass Captain America in it game saying, I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. Hank Pym saying, I'll show you ferocity. My good sis Brie Larson as Carol Danvers in the Air Force saying, higher, further, faster, baby. Y'all know the movie. Loki in Infinity War saying, we have the Hulk right before he attacked Thanos' ass. We even get a line from Korg. Y'all know Korg from Thor Ragnarok. Then we leave the MCU characters and we get folks from our actual reality. Alan Watts, who's like this you know, philosopher, theorist, all that, saying we think our time as a one-way motion. You know, of course, this whole show dealing with time, very appropriate. Neil Neil Armstrong, his infamous one step for man. Greta Thunberg, how dare they? We even get Malala and Nelson Mandela. We got Maya Angelou in the MCU now, but still I rise. I mean, it was everything. We even get Vision's infamous line from WandaVision. But what is grief, if not love, persevering? Now see, what does all of that mean? Bitch, I don't know. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> you know, we, we're, it, it's almost like all of this, it's converging into one. And of course, what's the theme of this episode? We're seeing all this stuff converge, finally happening. We finally got into the climax of the series to see why all this stuff is finally coming together. And of course, doing a little diversion too, because all of that is different movies leading up to different things, maybe different variants. We don't know what the hell's been going on. We don't really know. We have to find that out as we go along. So 
all of this whole little compilation seems very important to the story that's been told in Loki so far and this finale that we actually get. This cold open takes us into Loki and Sylvie right outside of that mysterious castle or citadel, now that we know, ready to go inside and see what all of this means. They're about to go inside, but of course, Sylvie is clearly hesitant. It's been a long time for her, like a long time to get here, but it's been a pretty pretty short time for Loki. I mean, like, you know, he's referenced weeks or days in the in the episodes before this, so it hadn't really been a long time for him. Before she even has time to make up her mind, the door opens on its own. They go inside, and it actually closes right behind them. Child, Miss Minutes scared the dog fuck out of me, okay? <laughs> the dog fuck talking about, hello, I I must have done, I, I know I wasn't the only one that got scared by that, because I was sitting there, I'm talking about like deep into the episode, I'm like, oh shit, what's about to happen, what's about to happen, and her ass jump out, ooh-wee, Miss Menace, girl, that'll get you stabbed in the hood, okay, don't try that shit in Memphis, try that shit in the rivers and the lakes that you used to, they killing people for much less in Memphis, don't try that shit here, keep that in the Citadel, okay. They're killing, <laughs> she tells them congratulations and that, you know, he's impressed by what they've actually, you know, accomplished and how far they've made it. He being he who remains. Her exact words are, he created all and he controls all. At the end, it is only he who remains. That's Miss Menace. For those curious, yes, the name He Who Remains is directly from Marvel Comics. I'm not going to jump into it right now because I'm actually going to jump into it a little later when it makes a little more sense to actually kind of dissect that character. Miss Minutes tells them that He Who Remains wants to offer them a deal and that he can actually insert them back into their timelines without disruption. That way, the TVA can keep on keeping on <laughs> and they can, you know, live the lives that they've actually wanted. When Loki questioned her about this, she said Loki could win the Battle of New York, a.k.a. for those that don't know, the battle in the first Avengers movie. He could beat Thanos, a.k.a. in Infinity War when Thanos killed the dog fuck out of his ass. And he could get the throne of Asgard. Now, keep in mind, he didn't really have this either. You know, his dad had disappeared and he was just... Uh, faking and pretending his ass in Asgard in Thor Ragnarok. All easy. And Sylvie can wake up with a lifetime of happy memories. Two Lokis, same place, one timeline. See, we should have known Miss Minutes was a little scamming asshole. We've been so focused on Ravana's raggedy ass that we have not been able to like fully divest in Miss Minutes. Like, we haven't been able to diverge on her raggedy ass. It's been, Miss Minutes, I got my eye on you. If you pop back up in the NCU, we know it's some trouble. I got my eye on you now. Miss Minutes pops back up at the TVA, and when Ravana asks where she's been, she kind of apologizes and gives her, you know, the files that she had requested long ago. It's not what Ravana asks for, though, and Miss Minutes lets her know that he not telling her who because Ravana asked her and she doesn't tell her, thinks that it will be helpful. Then she exits promptly, leaving Ravana to look, 
dumb. <laughs> Loki and Sylvie keep walking through the Citadel. They get to a room where there are three statues that look just like the timekeepers. And then if you look closely, like my fanboy ass always does, you'll notice that there's actually a fourth statue that's been destroyed. Like it's rubble all on the ground. Only a little bit of the base still remains. So we can't make out who it is. Hmm. But you know, we got theories. Okay. But let's go ahead and, you know, weave into it because my theory is right here. Loki wonders if he who remains is even still alive because everything, including that broken statue, you know, the base of it is covered in dust. And as soon as he wonders this, the elevator door begins to open. It's drum roll, please. Jonathan majors, Jonathan majors tick from Lovecraft Country, and we all know that he has been casted in Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumania as Kang the motherfucking Conqueror. But, he doesn't look like Kang from the comics here. In fact, he looks like Tick from Lovecraft Country. <laughs> Except, he got an old nasty little shawl thrown across his shoulders like a bad bitch in church. Okay, Kang, I see you with the little, the little shoulder wraps. I see you. You better do it like you going to the Lord's tabernacle. I love that shit. He approaches them and comments on them being the same person, which we've all been commenting about for the past six episodes. His demeanor is like, it's, it's so not what we were expecting, but I kind of love it. Like I kind of love his version of this character, especially since we don't know which character we're actually getting, though I have theories. I'll talk about it in a sec. Because I'm thinking this means that, you know, I feel like this means we're going to get many different versions of Kang the Conqueror, and they're all going to be played by Jonathan Majors. Simp, uh, not Simp, Sylvie, child, I'll be forgetting the damn good name. Sylvie simply says, he who remains, and he goes, she still calls me that? So here would be a good little time to take a break from the recap and actually talk about this. So Marvel and DC and comics in general have a reputation for retconning different characters and origins and basically everything else. For those that don't know, retconning is short for retroactive continuity. And it's a really big term that we use in comics to talk about characters that get changed or characters that have a new interpretation put on them. And, you know, this might be anything from their looks, their uh, origin story, their sexuality. Anything can be retconned with comic book characters. We've seen Agatha in the villain role in WandaVision. We've seen Sharon Carter as the power broker in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've seen the way like the Mandarin was kind of changed in Iron Man 3, even though it looks like we're going to get that real story in Shang-Chi. We see retconning a lot in comics and comic book movies now. It looks like we're seeing He Who Remains as kind of an amalgamation of both He Who Remains and Kang the Conqueror. Or, as I believe, He Who Remains and Immortus. So, in Marvel Comics, He Who Remains is actually the last person in charge of the Time Variance Authority. Literally the last person ever in charge of the Time Variance Authority, the TVA. 
Now, a lot of what we're seeing in this episode is true of he who remains, especially like, you know, him residing at the Citadel at the end of time. What has been changed is now it kind of appears that he and Kang are one and the same in the MCU. Or is he a variant of Kang like Immortus? That's my working theory. Immortus, I, I'll get into him a little bit more later, but that's another character. It's basically the same character as Kang, but as I'll tell you later about Kang, there are many different Kangs. Like every time in the comic books he travels in time, he basically creates a new version of himself, Immortus being one of those versions. So even me saying Immortus, basically just a, a Kang variant, just like Sylvie is a Loki variant. And Sylvie actually, probably a retcon herself. Sylvie, we actually saw, you know, we've talked about who is this woman? Who is she? And then, you know, some of us, thought that maybe she is a Loki variant or maybe she's actually the Enchantress. It seems like they are one and the same in this show, just like Kang and, you know, He Who Remains or Immortus, just like that's also been retconned. So retconning, though you might not know the term, it happens quite often in comic book movies and in comic books in general. He invites them up to his office, but before they get there, Of course, Sylvie tries to kill him first. Big fail. They make it up to the office and he who remains, which I'm going to go ahead and call him that for the purpose of this episode instead of Kang because he actually hasn't called himself Kang yet. He still is like fucking up there, fucking up that apple. Like this apple has been going through it in this episode. And is it me or whenever you think of an apple and you think of this kind of like sorcery and power type, you know, we got different power types in the MCU. You know, you got the strength, but like the earthbound heroes, you got the cosmic threats, you know, you got the witches and the chaos magic, the dark magic. Whenever I think about like apples and magic, I think about the first Doctor Strange movie where he's constantly like using that power and then like the apple will like eat itself and rot, but then like he'll twist it and it will go back to being a fully formed apple. Just a random like connection I made with the MCU there. As he's settling in, the episode cuts over to Ravana in the TVA who is approached by Mobius in her office. He's back. Ravana isn't really surprised though because she assumed that you know if anyone could make it back from the void it would be Mobius. Mobius is obviously hurt that she pruned him in the first place but she said it's all for the mission. Mobius is like what damn mission? The timekeepers? Fake. TVA? Not important. Like girl what? What damn mission? What are you talking about? Ravana argues that all of this could not have been for nothing and tries to call for help. But Mobius says, that's not going to work because we know your secret. This part of the episode, I love. I love. So clever. They showed Hunter B-15, a.k.a. my girl Ruby. Oh, just realize, you know what? I just, I love the fact that we got two Lovecraft Country people in this show now. It just, I know I said it earlier, but I feel like it needs to be recognized that like Marvel was like, you know what? Y'all are two bad bitches. Y'all need to be on this show. I love y'all. And then let's just go find somebody from Black Mirror and let's put them in here too. I love it. I feel like Marvel is doing a good job of like 
going to these obscure, not obscure because they're all like super successful, but going to these like weird sci-fi shows like Black Mirror where they found uh, not just Ravana because Ravana was in like the Emmy winning episode. Uh, San Juniper, was it San Juniper? San Junipero? She was in that episode, but also, oh, what's his real name? From uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The guy that played John Walker. Oh, what's his name? Kurt, not Kurt Russell. Wyatt Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt Russell's son. Wyatt Russell. Both of them found from Black Mirror. They got Tick and Ruby, both from Lovecraft Country. I love it. Keep up this good casting. That's what I like. People like me, I watch sci-fi shit all the time. I'm going around looking for the fast ass shit. Looking for the sci-fi shit. I want it all the time. I love the characters. I recognize the people from it. I love it. Go find them. B-15 is out there. And she actually, oh, you know what, actually, <laughs> I keep getting sidetracked, sorry. All I need now, I need them to hire Anjanou Ellis for this show, and we'll be good. You know how Viola Davis is kind of like, you know, she's in Suicide Squad. She plays uh, Amanda Waller, who, you know, in comics is kind of like the wrangler of the Suicide Squad. I need maybe Anjanou Ellis, I don't know, maybe she can be a uh, an Allegra Valentina De La Fontaine. Maybe she can be her variant, a black variant from another universe, and maybe she can help wrangle up a team too. I don't know. Anyway, B15 is in Fremont, Ohio in 2018. Now, MCU fans, why is this year important? 2018, think about it. I'm gonna give you a few seconds. Do, 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 do. Okay, time's up. Maybe it's not important for this particular episode, but. MCU fans should always, you should always kind of like recognize 2018 or maybe like have it synonymous in your brain with the year that Thanos snapped his fingers. He collected all the Infinity Stones and he snapped. He wiped out half of existence. Just something that y'all should be aware of because whenever I see 2018 on screen, I'm automatically thinking this is Thanos. She waits until... You know, the other Minutemen and the Hunters are nearby, and she actually makes a run for it, because obviously she wants them to see her. She runs into an office, and the Hunter comes in after her. At that moment, a Ravana Renslayer variant walks into the office and asks, what's going on? The Hunter looks, and he's like, Judge Renslayer. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? B-15 says, that's not Renslayer. And now she's opened up his eyes that the TVA, there's more than meets the eye. I love this. This is such a little clever scene. Probably one of my favorites of the series so far. Because I was wondering, like, how are they going to actually convince all of these people that their variants, that their lives mean nothing to the TVA? It was all predetermined. And this is a great way to do it. Now, how they found Ravana at this time I don't know, but they must have been able to access those files somehow and figure out that, you know, Ravana was elsewhere and she was a variant just like everybody else up in there. Back to He Who Remains and the Lokis. He Who Remains is so, like, comical and lighthearted almost. He isn't, but he feels lighthearted and hilarious, and it's just so not what I thought the character was going to be but I love this version of Kang the Conqueror. Showing us that more dangerous versions of him are definitely out there. He's talking, and Sylvie tries to attack him once again, but he uses his tempad and he transports a few feet back and dodges the attack. 
he basically shows them like a printout and lets them know that he knows everything that's going to happen. So that, that kind of attacking, it's all futile. He then takes the time to kind of explain all of this to them. He knows it all and he sees it all. Lamentis one, uh, them being touchy feely and, uh, you know, kudos. How you doing, baby? Let's share this blanket. All the TVA antics. He knows all of it. All of this paved by him, by he who remains. Predestination, baby, okay? When Sylvie asks, so why are we here then? He says, basically, you got to be changed by the journey in order to get the right mindset to finish the quest and the process. Loki is pretty skeptical, but he who remains points out that Sylvie is actually incapable of trusting anyone. Now, was that planned or did that just, you know, he knows the character and he knows that that's exactly what she is. Or did he need to say that so that this fight could ensue that's coming up in a moment? I don't know, but it's definitely something to ponder. Hey, have you guys checked out the dip? It's the site that allows you to read articles about some of your favorite shows written by experts and fans focused on depth, not on clicks. Their personalized subscription site allows you to follow high-quality coverage surrounding the shows that you love and the shows you love only. I just got done reading an article about WandaVision, you know, one of my favorite MCU projects, and it said the only logical follow-up is Howard the Duck. It's insane. I mean, I love it. Check out the link in my podcast episode description. Click around on some of those articles and sign up for the dip today. Back to Mobius and Ravana. Their ideologies are different. Ravana stands by everything, you know, that she's done, that the TVA stands for, everything. And Mobius is like, nah, bruh. I've been to the void. That shit is just evil. Definitely not necessary. Mobius obviously still feels betrayed, but Ravana says, no, Mobius, you've changed. I'm not the one that's been doing the changing. You've changed. He turned to the Loki variants the first opportunity he got, to which Mobius Mobius says, you can't take away people's free will. Valid. Ravana opens up a time door, and Mobius goes to stop her with a pruning stick, but she gives his ass the business, the Better Business Bureau, the BBB. Ravana left, quote-unquote, in search of free will, which sounds like she's in search of Kang, basically, he who remains. And she left Mobius' ass right there on the floor on his ass. He who remains is still acknowledging how it all might seem, but he says that without him and without the TVA, everything burns. When asked, then what should you, you know, what are you afraid of? Like, why why are we even here? Like, what is the purpose of all this? He simply says, like, he's afraid of himself. Then they... And, you know, they're they're like, who the fuck are you? Like, what? I don't understand what the fuck is happening. They're basically all just really confused right now. This is when we get the speech that made MCU fans' legs quiver all across the globe. He said, oh, I've been dubbed by many names by many people. A ruler, a conqueror, he who remains, a jerk. But it's... 
it's not as simple as a name. See, okay. Keyword, keyword. The keyword here is obviously conqueror. Kang the Conqueror. This is our first indication that he who remains and Kang the Conqueror are one and the same. Now, we probably could have inferred this because we knew that Jonathan Majors was cast as Kang the Conqueror for the upcoming Ant-Man movie. But now we have like some kind of verbal sparring that's kind of let us know what the dealio is. Now, he brings out the visual effects. Like he used that little ring, black that's black circular ring with like the golden cracks in it. And he uses that to make some visual effects. And he talks about one of his variants who lived on Earth in the 31st century. So we ain't met sis yet, okay? We ain't met sis. He was a scientist. Yes, for those asking, Kang the Conqueror was originally a man named Nathaniel Richards. Now, yes, as you know, someone else in Marvel Comics famously has the last name Richards, as in Reed Richards as in Mr. Fantastic, leader of the Fantastic Four. In one reality, Nathaniel Richards is actually the father of Reed Richards, but then he tried to, like, kidnap Franklin Richards, and it's, it's the whole thing. It's also a very, you know, he's also a different version of Reed, and it's, child, look, it's a lot, okay? <laughs> you, you, it's hard to explain Kang the Conqueror wrapped up in one damn low-key episode, but luckily they didn't try. They haven't tried to really explain him yet. They just kind of... You know, gave us a brief, brief, brief introduction to him as far as time and time travel and the sacred timelines and brash realities, all of this as far as they're concerned. He continues to tell them about his history and says that he discovered that there are universes stacked on top of each other. Simultaneously, other versions of He Who Remains were discovering the exact same thing. This is a bit different from comics, okay? Because in the comics, he actually goes through time. Like, he he travels through time himself. And every time he does this, he basically creates another version of himself, teaches himself, like, does all this kind of stuff. But it, a new version is created, but it's always a different version. So, like, he's creating basically a variant every single time, which is how we get, like the difference between Kang and Immortus and all that junk. They, oh boy. <laughs> it's always so like, I feel like it's so convoluted explaining this character in particular because Lord Nolan knows. There was initially peace and sharing of technology and theories and all of this amongst the different He Who Remains variants. But of course, some of the variants were just straight up evil. This is why I'm thinking Kang the Conqueror is actually a variant of He Who Remains. He basically talks about a multiversal war happening with them, and then he diverges from the story that's been told to us since episode one, okay? He says that a creature, well, actually, let me say first, in previous episodes, we were told this is the point in the story where the timekeepers, the three timekeepers, they're the ones that stopped everything. They cleaned up the mess. They're the reason for everything going back to normal and being amazing and why the TVA was created, all this kind of stuff. We get a bit of a divergence here, though, and he actually kind of tells us the truth. He says a creature created from tears of reality 
talking about Elioth, of course, that y'all met in episode five, was harnessed by he who remained and he weaponized Elioth and ended the multiversal war. Now, he created the TVA to keep shit in order. He says, if you think I'm evil, wait till you meet my variants. And this in particular is the most important foreshadowing line of the episode. See, Jonathan Major's character, this episode, is so like, you know, he it's such a likable character. Like you, there's no way like you can like a Kang the Conqueror, but this character that he's playing so like, I mean, funny, energetic, lively, everything you describe as like a person you want to see on stage, basically such a dope ass character, which is why that line is so important. Cause he's like, look, I'm not the evil one. Like I'm a pretty tame version, which makes me think, you know, that's why that's not exactly Kang. It's another just variant of him. And him constantly like referring to these other evil versions of him lets us know that like Kang the Conqueror is out there somewhere and he has not been killed at the end of the Loki series. Just saying, okay? I'm just saying. Side note, he, <laughs> this whole like little scene and monologue he is so animated while telling this story and I was getting my whole life watching this damn scene. He's jumping up on the table. He doing jazz hands. You know, he doing everything. It's just chef's kiss. Couldn't be happier. They, meaning Sylvie and Loki, said, so you're just gonna, you know, continue to prune whole ass timelines? They didn't say that, but you know what I mean. And then he's like, ah, ah, y'all are. He gives them two options. One, kill me, meaning kill he who remains, and destroy everything and deal with all of the infinite, quote unquote, devils. Because remember, devils has been a recurring theme throughout this entire show. Or two, you two raggedy motherfuckers can run everything. They said, why would you give up all of this, you know, this infinite power you have, and he basically hit that Tamla man. He said, truth is I'm tired. Options are few. You know what? Well, y'all don't go to church. Let me move on, you heathens. But then he drops another important ass line that I feel confirms my theory from last week. He says, I'm tired and I'm older, older than I look. This is why I think this particular variant or this particular he who remains is Immortus and not Kang the Conqueror. Now, yes, they're technically the same person, but Immortus is a much older version of Kang the Conqueror. He's his future self. And since this one resides at the end of time, I mean, you don't get much more future than that, I'm just saying. He goes back to telling them that these two can take over, them specifically. He says, you know, you can go and tell the Minutemen and the Hunters everything and why they do what they do, child. Sylvie was trying to be the victim like a damn real housewife, but he told her to grow up, murderer. Right then, right then, see, he felt something. He felt something kind of shift. Now, they've crossed the point where he knows nothing that's going to happen. 
See, this is where we see the sacred timeline branching into multiple different directions. Once again, he starts convincing them to take over. He references like reincarnation, so I don't think he's afraid of dying. But then Sylvie, of course, is the one that's skeptical. Now, whether this is because, you know, he planted the seed kind of in her head earlier when he told her, you don't trust people, or because that's just her nature. That seems to be her nature, though, but she did kind of seem like she was growing a bond with Loki, so I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. This leads to, like, the whole back and forth between Sylvie and Loki. She convinces that, you know, she believes that Loki only wants to be on the throne, but he does his damnedest to try to convince her. He mostly is just trying to get her to just wait. Like, let's just talk it out. But no, they start fighting and using magic and swords and everything else. He who remains is so damn entertained watching all this. I mean, he jumping, he gasping, he rooting them on. He is having the time of his life watching this damn fight. Sylvie lunges at his ass once again, him being he who remains, but Loki magically jumps in and makes yet another impassioned plea. It seems to work, at least for a minute, because Sylvie, you know, she kisses him, but it's all a ruse. She got that Tim pad and blasted his ass back to the TVA. Now, which TVA? I don't damn know, but she blasted his ass somewhere. She finally gets to kill he who remains, or Kang, or Immortus, whoever the fuck ever. And his last words are, see you soon. We get another glimpse out of the window and we actually like physically see all of the branch timelines. Cut to the TVA and we see B-15 and Mobius staring at the screen where they see all of the new timelines diverging past that red line, or both of the red lines actually, which we know from episode one, two, three, four, five, and six, we know that's a big no-no because that means that a multiversal war is going to happen. Loki is at the TVA looking distraught, like somebody killed his puppy. Loki <laughs> suddenly rushes to go find someone, anyone that he knows, and he comes across Mobius and B-15 in the TVA library. They're having a conversation about what he, quote-unquote, expects them to do. Not he is in Loki, but he is in whoever the, you know, the creator is that they serve in this reality. And if he wants them to stop it or what he wants them to do, and Loki yells out, you can't, you can't. They don't know what you're talking about because he's ranting on about, you know, he who remains and the Citadel and all the variants that are coming. Child, Mobius and B-15 don't even know who the hell Loki is. Oh, (laughs) Mobius keeps asking, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And then that's when we see as Loki walks towards the ledge to look over a big ass statue of he who remains inside of the TVA which was formerly a statue of one of the timekeepers Loki where the hell you at see we got a lot of answers in this show but we also got a whole lot of questions now we don't know if you know something has happened to fuck up their timeline or if something happened to 
you know, maybe Sylvie used a temp pad and sent him to another reality. Maybe there are multiple, multiple, multiple TVAs. It's all, I'm guessing we're gonna not going to know for a while, child. That was, whew, it's, it's a lot, a lot of questions, but we got a lot of good answers too. Before I get into my biggest qualm of the episode, I'm actually going to throw it over to Kaya from the Bravo Wild Black podcast. Y'all should be here. You know, you should be used to hearing her voice on this podcast. We talk to her all the time. If you come to our Melanated Bravo Clubhouse rooms, then you're probably used to sick. You know, you're sick and tired of hearing both our asses. So it doesn't matter. I want y'all to listen. She has some great comments. She got some questions. Let's talk about it. Hey, it's Kaya or Kaya from Bravo Wild Black. And... I just finished watching the Loki finale for the second time. Do I understand exactly what happened? No. But did I enjoy the fuck out of that episode? Absolutely. It picked up where I thought it was so slow at. Kendrick was finally right for once. And I really, really, really enjoy Kang the Conqueror or um, whatever else they call him on there. I didn't expect him to be funny. I didn't expect him to have that comedic comedic timing that he has. I didn't expect him to look like that. I don't know. It just took me out of the element of being bored with this show, which honestly, I was kind of bored with this show because it's very hard to follow if you don't really know what's going on, like in the comics or, you know, if you don't read about it um, immediately after. I think that King the Conqueror is going to be such a perfect villain to take us into the next phase of the MCU, or if we're already in it, to bring us into the next phase of the MCU. He seems like a Doctor Strange mixed with a Loki, and we're learning a lot about all these Nexus beings. Um, I think that's what they're called, Kendrick, correct me if I'm wrong, and I want to see what they are going to do. Now, I was reading about the top 100 villains of all time. Um, It's a very intriguing list, I must say. Thanos was actually, like, pretty low on the list, and Kang is also pretty low on the list. So it's so weird how Marvel can take characters that aren't necessarily the biggest or the end of the world and make them seem like, well, damn, how are they going to defeat this character? I really enjoyed the series finale. Well, it's not even the series finale, the season finale, because the gag was they told us we were getting season two. Um, I want to see what happens with basically everyone. And I really liked um, Judge Renslayer's performance, I must say. Thank you for guiding me through yet another series, Kendrick. Uh, I do have a question for you, though. Do we think that... Judge Renslayer is going to, you know, link up with King the Conqueror, or is she just like gonna be like living her life? Or what, what, what was that? What happened? Where's everyone gonna be? Love you. I love you too, baby. Listen, everything she said, I loved. Let me first start by giving all of these characters their props. Y'all know I call people raggedy and dusty, but I'm only talking about the actual character, okay? Not the actors or the actresses. All of them, like this show was perfectly casted. Everybody from Hunter B-15 to Mobius to Renslayer, Kang, everybody was perfectly cast. 
I even thought that the casting of all of the Loki variants in episode five was, I'm t- I mean, chef's kiss. Everything was just perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect casting. Marvel is really good at casting, if you ask me. I think they rarely ever, ever get it wrong. DC gets it wrong a lot. Despite what people say, Brie Larson is the correct choice, okay? Don't argue with me. Argue with your mammy, okay? As far as where Judge Renslayer goes from here, I was one of the people that thought that she was working for Kang this entire time. I thought she knew it. It looks like we saw the beginnings, or at least the the maybe the prequel to their relationship. I don't know if she actually knows Kang yet. I don't know, because, you know, apparently maybe that's a different version. Maybe this isn't the one that's going to fall for Kang. I don't know. Maybe that little school teacher in 2018 in Oklahoma Maybe she's going to be the one that falls in love with Kang the Conqueror. and Or maybe we're going to actually see like the galactic princess, uh, Ravana Lexus Renslayer. Or maybe we're going to see, you know, the Terminatrix or some. You know, I we there's a lot of different ways they can go with Judge Renslayer. I hope they explore some of these avenues because she really does have a little story to tell. She's not one of the most like recognizable Marvel comics, you know, you have to really like do some deep dive and to kind of know who she is. So I would be excited to get to know more about her in the MCU. Like I know enough about her in the comics, but I'd love to see how they develop this particular character because I actually think, you know, there's a lot of story to tell there. I would love it if we got, you know, maybe every time we get a Kang appearance, maybe we're seeing her too. Maybe we just see their relationship develop peripherally. I don't know. I'm here for whatever they want to do. I hope that they keep telling her story. I actually hope that we see a lot of these characters pop up since we know that the timelines are going to be fucked up and diverging and going different directions. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe we'll see Hunter B-15 somewhere else. Maybe we'll see some of the other random Hunters somewhere. Maybe we'll see Mobius on a jet ski in another reality. I don't know. I want to see them all. I want to see Renslayer too. I'm hoping not just Kang makes an appearance in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I hope she does too. That would be pretty dope. So, you know, we got a lot of story to tell. Let's see what route Marvel actually goes with it. Kaya actually hit on my biggest qualm <laughs> of the finale. And that was that the post credit scene was actually used as a season two announcement. Which, by the way, had already been ruined for me by Esquire magazine and their fucking notifications. Right when I woke up, I look on my phone and I see Loki's getting a season two. And I, I'm like, you ugly fuckers. What if I hadn't watched the episode yet? Which I hadn't. I mean, I hadn't planned on staying up to two to watch it anyway. It's two o'clock my time. Some of y'all is three o'clock. Some of y'all midnight. You midnighters go to hell, okay? We got to stay up all the damn late to watch this shit. But anyway... I, it had been ruined for me, but you know, I love a post credit scene. That's my favorite thing about everything because it gives you that little morsel of just satisfaction. You want to know what's next. What are you hinting at? What's happening? What's coming? What What's being wrapped up? You know, we didn't get that in this one. We only got one real post credit scene throughout the series, which is odd too, and that was, what, episode four? When we saw that Loki wasn't actually dead? 
I mean, that was a great one, but man, I wish we would have had one here. But I guess this show, like the, the finale did so much in such a huge way that I guess it makes sense too that we didn't have anything else kind of to preview. I don't know. Maybe we need Doctor Strange and Spider-Man to still have a big element of surprise, which if that's the case, I'm here for. I want all that shit. Give me all the surprises. I don't need to know anything. Surprise me, daddy. Okay. <laughs> Y'all, I've enjoyed going on this ride with you. Loki is over. We got a little bit of a gap, a couple of weeks, until we finally get to watch What If?, our first MCU animated project. I hope you all will join us for that. That's going to be a great one. And it is MCU, so it is canon. So just like Loki plays into the MCU, this might too. See, I have a feeling that this and Loki, What If and Loki, are going to be a lot more connected than we think they are. I'm thinking that these are going to be different variations and different scenarios that are going to be directly related to the timeline now being branched. Now, do I have any confirmation of that? No. But I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see it. This and all, like, most of our favorite actors are actually voicing their characters, too. And we get to hear Chadwick Boseman's voice as T'Challa and Black Panther once again. That's going to be amazing. So I hope you all will watch this. We'll see how these, you know, if these are actually uh, going to be used the way that we think they are. I don't know if they will. If they don't, don't blame me. Blame your mama, okay? Bye. See ya. As always, thanks for listening. Want to support me for free? Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or CastBox and leave me a five-star rating and review. Need to contact me? Just email me, housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and all kinds of updates regarding the podcast. That's at housewivesmarvelpodcast. This is Kendrick, and I'll see ya! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Okay, close your eyes and imagine. Well, unless you're driving. Yes, imagine you bought a scratch ticket from the Iowa Lottery. Or someone gave you one. Yes, right, and you scratch, and you've won. Won big. Yes, in fact, there are 13 holiday games with big cash prizes. And if you don't win, play it again. You can still win up to $100,000 in the VIP club. But you have to enter and see rules and complete details at IALottery.com slash VIP. Yes, thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.